Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life on the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. We're here with the Ohio University Sports Administration Series Life After Court Street Season 2 with uh, my co-host Laura Waters-Brown. Excited to have our guests on today. We've got a trio uh, in Becca Hemby, Grace dawson Beatty, and Eric Shaynock. Excited to talk the brand world, kind of how to get into the brand side of things, uh, their experiences, their journeys, and ultimately um, their life and journey after Court Street. So, uh, Eric, Grace, Becca, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. Happy to be here. All right, so just real quick to start off, this uh, Becca's a real champion of this podcast. She's she's up at five thirty. We're we're doing this nice and early. Um, so, uh, Becca, we won't call on you first. So, Eric. Um, <laughs> with, with your role, uh, at JP Morgan Chase, um, on the sports and entertainment side, how did you get there? Obviously you've had some experiences on the brand side prior to that, but, um, walk us through your journey after OU. Yeah. It's, uh, two words called job hopping. Uh, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I kind of fell into it. Um, I wanted to move to Chicago. And so came here, took a job at an agency um, and was looking for something a little bit more fulfilling uh, and had an opportunity to go down to Memphis, work for St. Jude uh, and love the mission, but realized I really miss Chicago. Um, and I kid you not, was, was dating uh, my girlfriend at the time, moved back to Chicago and took a job that I thought was at another sports marketing agency. And it was sports advertising. And I literally had no idea. I sent a, an email to like someone that I never should have sent an email to. And I was like, have you heard of this agency? And he goes, yeah, it's one of the biggest advertising agencies. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. So I kind of fell into the whole like brand meets creative um, under the sports world. Uh, and so worked um, at FCB for a few years um, which is where I, I guess I really started to learn about creative and advertising and really TV, social, digital campaigns as a whole. And then had an opportunity to go brand side. And, you know, like all of us, I think um, there's some, definitely some, some nice benefits to being at large established brands uh, or financial institutions as well. And so um, I joined BMO Harris um, in a brand and sponsorship advertising role. So literally a combination of all of the skills that I had um, accidentally accumulated over the, you know, the five, seven years um, after leaving Athens and uh, loved what I was doing. Um, got to work on purpose work and brand and sponsorship. Um, but then Chase came calling and they were literally looking for someone to work in that exact same role, start it from scratch with someone based in Chicago. 
And I was like, if that's not an literally an accumulation of everything I had done um, to that point without having to relocate, like I, I didn't know what else, um, like it, it seemed like it had just fallen from, uh, from the skies essentially. And so uh, through my name in the, in, in the hat there and um, have been at Chase now for almost four months, basically, uh, you know, they have a sports and entertainment team, they have a brand team, but they had no one that was uh, really an expert or, you know, a pseudo expert in um, communicating in between brand and sponsorship to make everything come to life. Great. So on, on the Wells Fargo side, how'd you get there? What are, what are you doing there? How does it intertwine with sports? So on. Sure, yeah. So I might be one of the very few that isn't really intertwined in sports anymore, um, which is <laughs> is interesting. So how I ended up at Wells Fargo was a little bit of a, of a twist in fate. So I moved to Charlotte right after grad school because I ended up getting a, um, a job at Bespoke Sports and Entertainment, which was Mike Boykin, class of 81's kind of baby that he started when he left GMR. He was awesome. He was my executive mentor when I was in school. And then when I graduated, he really gave me my first shot. Um, I loved being there, but after 10 months, and I think maybe just opinion of one here, just going from undergrad to grad school, graduating now working in an agency, I just got totally burnt out. And so at the time I was dating someone, um, it was kind of funny. His, his parents were from Charlotte and their family was having like a neighborhood Halloween party. And his mom knew that I was, I was getting burnt out in my job and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I still wanted to be in sports, but I was just kind of debating what my next move was. And, and uh, his mom was like, you know, there's this woman that's going to come tonight. Her name is Casey. She's, she works at Wells Fargo and, and she's like a head of marketing. I really think you know, you guys could just chat and just pick her brain because she's lived in Charlotte for a long time. She might have a good network for you to, to connect to. And so I ended up chatting with her for about an hour that night. And she was like, you know, she was like, I know you love sports, but maybe try financial services because Charlotte is such a big city for that. You know, we work with a lot of contract agencies. And so she gave me um, a few contracting agencies to connect with. And so one of them was called Tech Systems speeding up the story, long story short, ended up getting a job at Wells Fargo in um, personal lines and loans and student lending. So like super sexy, right? Um, managing marketing for 10 million customers there. And my thought was, okay, I'll do this for six months. I'll catch my breath. And then I'll just kind of evaluate, you know, what do I want to do? Um, three months in, I was like, this is awesome. I love this. Like financial services is so cool. Um, just really getting to assist people like on their path as they grow. Um, and so since I was contract about 18 months in, I started need, I started to, um, you know, look for more full-time roles at Wells and Wells is almost like Eric, I'm sure you could feel like this at, at JP Morgan, like Wells Fargo almost feels like a massive university to me. Like there's so many units, there's so many departments, like you really could stay forever your whole career and reinvent yourself like 50 times. And um, it's one of a my very small, was, uh, it's a very small nation state is how I like to think of it. Yeah. Like it's hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, um, we have 275,000 full-time employees at Wells Fargo. Yeah. 
um, and I think like 78 countries around the world, which is fascinating. But um, so as I was looking for my full-time role, uh, the credit card space was really interesting to me. I think number one, because there was so much funding that goes into, you know, consumer credit. And so my thought was, you know, the bigger the marketing budget, kind of like sports, the more fun you get to play around with and do cool stuff. And so I ended up getting um, my first role um, in consumer card, kind of managing all of our digital assets online. So how the Wells Fargo website works is you all bid for space, which is really cool. Um, and so I managed all of that bidding in the digital space. And then a few years ago, we really expanded our co-brand credit card unit. So basically, we're the backing bank of, um, of a company. And so now I manage all of our existing card marketing for the Hotels.com Rewards Visa card. Um, which was awesome because I got to be part of it, like boots on the ground to actually launch the credit card into market and, and grow our acquisition basis. And now I've shifted over the last year into, you know, our current cardholders. How are we building that loyalty, what we call top of wallet behavior, which is, you know, the average person has like 2.4 credit cards in their wallet. I don't know where that 0.4 is, but I'll figure it out one day. Um, and how do we ensure that you're picking our card because it's the most rewarding experience? And you probably got to be a part of some of those commercials because Hotels.com commercials for sure are a lot of fun. Yes, they are. Captain Obvious is, he's, he's a good dude. He's a fun guy. We've done a lot of um, photography sessions with him and he's been um, a trooper. Amazing, that, so. amazing. Yeah. Becca, we'll, we'll, we'll stay in the financial services credit card world, um, but you've, you've kind of had a winding path to get there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started out in Chicago at a little uh, consulting firm called Forefront and shout out to them for their, their big recent news. Congratulations on that. But I worked mostly with sports and entertainment properties. So for me, starting out um, you know, you just, in your first few years, you think you're going to be boots on the ground all the time, um, at an agency, executing things, working with brands. And I was more on the strategic consulting side, working with properties. So I think what that allowed me to do was just get a different, differentiated experience. But I knew that taking the, you know, consulting and strategy side of it, if I wanted to then, you know, build upon those skills, I needed to learn going down, like how to actually implement the strategies um, I was helping to recommend. So I had an awesome experience at Forefront, um, great time being at like a small, more startup type of company, but um, one, I wanted to move out to California. I was just, I love Chicago, but uh, was just, you know, cold out there. Um, and then two, I wanted to learn like the tactics and execution piece of sponsorship that I really didn't get like hands on when I was at Forefront. So ended up going to GMR Marketing in um, the Bay Area here and worked more in like a traditional sports marketing agency type role where my clients were US Bank and Google. So I guess I already started getting into the uh, financial services piece there um, without knowing that was foreshadowing my next move. 
and did, you know, like sports strategy, sponsorship, but then a lot more on like the activation execution side. And I, you know, had a good experience at GMR, COVID hit. So um, when you want to be on the ground learning things that didn't necessarily come to fruition like I thought I would, thought I thought it would, um, but still learned a lot of those tactics. And I think from there, I actually, when you ask like, how did you get into the brand world? I think I definitely, like that was, on my mind for the future, but I wasn't necessarily, you know, looking um, at the time and just through some relationships that I had built when I was looking to move out to San Francisco um, and just keeping in touch with those people. They had since a couple of them, you know, started working at Visa. So one of those things that I'm sure has happened to all of us where, you know, you get a text, Hey, have you seen this job? Would you be interested? And for me, I was like, of course, I mean, Visa known as, you know, one of the biggest global sponsors of sports in the world. So I was super excited about that and um, yeah, interviewed and ended up getting the role. So I started it seems like longer than this, but uh, just about two months. So I've been there two months and I'm on the global sponsorship strategy team. And um, what my role really entails is, you know, not like the on the ground activation piece, but more on the business development side where we are working to like optimize our relationships with our existing partners. So IOC, FIFA, um, NFL, and really figuring out ways to continue to um, align our sponsorship strategy with our greater brand and business objectives and priorities. So a lot of my role is like more back on that strategic side um, in like a much deeper way at one brand and fewer number of properties that we have relationships with. So many different winding stories. Love it. I know. It's like the theme of this one is psych, gotcha. Keep it moving. Um, <laughs> all of you, I know, right? I'm, if, yeah. Uh, I think it's so interesting and so important for students to hear all of your stories because I think a lot of times in school, you know, you expect your career to get when you get out to do one thing. And then sometimes it does complete opposite and that's okay. If you could tell yourself uh, one thing when you were initially job hunting um, in school that you now know, what would you tell yourself? I can take that one um, first. Uh, I would say be open to being wrong. Um, simply because like, had you told me I would have touched insurance or healthcare or financial services, um, uh, telecom, I'd be over for, uh, so I, I think being open to whatever opportunities come your way, like I think back to when you, we all interviewed and probably all of us in some form or fashion said, we want to be in sales or we want to be in college athletics. And none of us have touched 
well, except Jake, have touched any of that really. Um, and so, like, I still don't know what I really want to do. I have an idea, but it's like it's an accumulation of skills that you just want to continue to gain. And over time, for me, it's I want to work with good people and feel empowered and fulfilled in my work more than it is any organization or um, job title. And so I'd say be open to the opportunities that come your way and, and try not to um, try not to pigeonhole yourself before you even get out of school. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. a great answer. Yeah, I think what I would say is get really clear about maybe your priorities or your focus. So I, I feel like I was, I was focused when I was at OU, but it was a very myopic focus of when I graduate, I want to work at an agency, kind of like, you know, what Eric was, um, was saying about being open. And I think what I learned, especially after getting burnt out and then, you know, just jumping into Wells Fargo, you know, the roles that I've taken since then have been, you know, what is my focus? And I think, I think it's okay, you know, and I, I mentioned it earlier, it's okay to say, you know what, I just need to catch my breath for six months. You know, it's okay to take, you know, like short-term roles if you feel like you, you just need to catch your breath or you need to kind of reshift your priorities. And then after that, the focus can change to, you know, the next role I took was I really want to expand in digital space for marketing. You know, that's what I want to learn next. Um, and then your next role could be, I know the new one that I took three years ago was, I want to really expand my strategic thinking and that strategy. And so I think what I'm learning so far in my career path is marketing's marketing, strategic thinking is strategic thinking. doesn't really matter what industry you're in. You know, maybe one day I might land back in sports again and find my way back. But I think it doesn't matter what industry you land in, you're learning and you're growing and those tools that you're getting in those industries, I actually find people looked at my resume more at Wells Fargo because I didn't have a financial services background. And so they wanted fresh thinking. And so if you actually have, you know, different experience in different areas, I think you actually might be more attractive, um, you know, in a new industry. Yeah, I'll just build on both of those a little bit. So. I think like, especially when you're in school and in sports, like with the competitive nature of it, it is so easy to let external influences influence what you think you should do. So I would just say my advice would be like, give yourself permission to figure out like what you value and who you are and like make decisions based on that. Like not what anyone else says is the right path or will get you to X point in 20 years that, by the way, you have no idea if you want to even be at that point in 20 years. So yeah, that, that's just what I, I would say is, um, yeah, just internally, like figure out where you want to be and the type of person you want to be and um, align your choices that way. And then also give yourself permission to like change that in the future. If you think your dream job is something and then two years later, you're like, oh, this is not what I want to do. It's okay to then change that and not go down that path. 
No, I really? appreciate you making that point. It's such a great, it's such a great perspective because, and then, and Eric, we'll get to you on, on like different hobbies and ways to kind of like just fulfill your life as a whole, right. Outside of just work. And, um, Becca, you mentioned something where, you know, giving yourself permission to, to switch or to even just, um, like everybody gets advice from mentors and coaches and former bosses or colleagues or whomever, but at the end of the day, like it's your decision. And, um, you know, Eric mentioned he wanted to be in Chicago. You mentioned you wanted to be in the Bay area. Grace is in Charlotte, right? You know, I'm in Arizona. Like that's where I want to live ultimately long-term. Like, so when you think about those types of things and the priorities, like when we all asked you about where was your career path, like that came up at some point for each of you. And so therefore it has to be a priority, right? Uh, otherwise you don't mention it because you're just like, oh yeah, like this is where I'm at, right? And so Eric, just to, to your point with whatever you were going to interject, I think it's interesting uh, perspective. Yeah, I was just going to add on what Becca said. Um, it, this is only a sample size of one here too, but um, the moment I stopped looking at my career as a linear trajectory and more of like, I think I may have mentioned this to you, Jake, but like I'm at the center of this wheel and like what are the different spokes that are important to me and career is one of them, but it's not every single rung on the ladder. Like there are other things that are interesting to me that are important to me, whether it's values or travel. Um, my life became exponentially more fun and more enjoyable and I ended up doing better in my career. So I, I don't necessarily believe in the like you're an account executive so you can become a supervisor so you can become a director because I think then 20 years can fly by and you're like you may have accomplished one of those you know spokes on your wheel but you can't ride a bike with one spoke on a wheel you need others to support that and so um, it took me probably five or seven years to figure that out and then it constantly changes every couple of years for me of like what those things that support me are so the journey that I'm on now at almost 32 is very different than I was at 22, 24, 30. For, for either Grace or Becca, anything that you guys are doing outside of work that also kind of helps round out your, um, whether it's hobbies, priorities, passions, et cetera. I feel like I wanna go after Grace. I feel like she has, or I don't want to go after Grace. I don't want to follow her. No, I will say, um, yeah, I think just moving to California, like I am outdoors all the time and hiking and um, that's what I, I like to do that and go camping and um you just kind of make time for that, like get your vitamin D, um, go outside, uh, figure out where you want to live and like build your career into that life versus the other way around. Um, but yeah, I am looking for like some more hobbies. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll steal some from Eric and Grace on this call, <laughs> some indoor hobbies. I don't know, Becca. You always have fun stuff. I watch your social media. Yeah, you're always it's doing way, something. Looks, yeah, it looks way more lively than my life. 
<laughs> I mean, I know social is all about like our highlight reels. It's just the like, gram. Wow, people are yeah, it's just the gram. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a big workout person when I was in grad school. I'm still a big, really, a really big workout person. Um, I compete in CrossFit, so that's kind of like my fun stuff that I do. And then I also coach um, a couple mornings a week, so that keeps me busy. Um, with COVID, I've kind of taken a step back the last couple years, um, but that that kind of keeps me fresh. And it's, you know, I mean, we're all sports people, like competitive, like it just keeps my mind going of like that next goal and that next reach that I want to do. Um, and then I'm also a big family person. I know we talked about the cities that we lived in and chose. I purposely chose Charlotte because I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. And so it's just right down the road from my family. I can go home once a month, see my sister. Um, she just had a baby. So that's really fun being an aunt um, and see my mom. So. Yeah. Laura, what, what hobbies you got? Sleeping. Um, what else are my hobbies? I have a dog, so that is my hobby. The, the dog, keeping a, a thing alive is a full-time hobby. Um, and obviously being a wine connoisseur because why not? Laura, um, I got a good, uh, some good wine suggestions for you if you're open to it. Ooh, ooh, uh, always, always. And is that a Peloton I see behind you? Uh, it's just artwork. It doesn't ever get used. <laughs> I was about to say, you don't follow me. That's fine. It's I think fine. I do. Do you on the Peloton? I think I do. I think I do. I'm going to chime right now. Okay, please do. I'll follow please both do. of you after we get off this. Yeah! Come on, Jake, get on yeah. it, Becca. That's my new hobby, I guess. I got to go buy that a Peloton. And... Go get yeah. you a Peloton so we can compete. I'm, I, had to, I had to break down and buy one because my knees are not 20 anymore. And so... The bike is it. Um, I think I am so happy. I'm having like a little proud old lady moment hearing all of your just where you are in lives and um, the growth that you had. I think I've had conversations with all of you when you were in school, except for Jake, um, when you were in school. And so to hear where you are now is such a breath of fresh air because I think. Um, I think Becca, you said it, you said something about um, fit your career into your life, not your life into your career, mm -hmm. like full stop. That's a big, that is a, that is one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard um, because it is so true, right? Like your career, there is a lot of years between grad school and retirement a whole a whole many a years and to your point eric it's hard to i believe we have like this social media what i call social media fast track effect right like you graduate and assume you're going to be the evp in two years and then it's like but then where you go for the rest of your career you've got 40 some years to work in this space or to work in general if you're lucky maybe 50, and you want to be an EVP by year three? Like, what are you going to do for the rest of that time, the life journey? So I think there are so many little nuggets of life in this one, Jake. I'm really excited for the, the quote graphic that's going to come out of this. Can it be the career, fit your life into your career, not your career into your life? Can that be it? 
Oh, yeah. okay, and, great. And, and Laura, I think it's, it's fascinating what you said, because uh, you have 40 years in your career, but my mind went to, well, what if I want that to be 30? Yeah. Like, like I don't want to wait till I'm 65. So if that's inherently my reaction, mm -hmm. then that means that you need to enjoy life more and not the career yep. more. Exactly. Exactly. And the I job will be there. Too. Yeah. And I think it's important too. And when, when we were in grad school, I know again, opinion of one here, but you've got symposium, you know, you, you see all your classmates doing really cool things. You see all these alumni doing amazing things. And I know for me, I was kind of sitting there and thinking, gosh, like, how am I going to compete with this? And I know we're not competing mm -hmm. with each other, but it's, you almost feel this expectation of, I really need to succeed because I'm representing this program, but then also to look what everybody else is doing around me. And so I think, you know, Becca, um, said something really poignant in terms of, you know, finding your own path and being okay with that. And I think it's really important to ensure that you're keeping your identity as you're going along personally and professionally throughout the years. And yes, you want to, you know, ensure that you're growing, but don't get caught up in how successful other people are, or even like your classmates, how successful they are and, and kind of getting down on yourself. Cause I've definitely had those moments, even when I exited sports of like, gosh, like, you know, I'm not doing all those things anymore. And, you know, what am I doing with my life? And um, it's okay. It's okay to choose like a different road. It's easier said than done, but there's enough money and enough happiness and success in the world for all of us to be happy for each yeah. other. Like it's not a, yeah. there's not a limited, you know, yeah. metaphorical pie here. Well, and I think yeah. to the point on the, the EVP, like when you're thinking about, what that goal is down the road, which Eric, I agree with you. Like, I don't know what I want to do in the next five years even, but like, it doesn't have to be, and it maybe shouldn't be like a title. It should be, this is what I want my life to look like. This is what I want my career to look like. And I mean, for me personally, like, I don't know if being a CMO allows me to live that type of life I want to live. So I think like we just don't question that ever, especially um, in grad school or even down your career path. It's always just natural to be like the next step, the next step, and what's that highest point. But not everyone has to aspire to that. And like that's okay. But if you do, that's great too. But just questioning that and like making that choice on your own. I'm, I think. I'm, I'm curious because um, Becca, you went through the interview process recently and as did I, and I got asked um, in one of them, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And that's such a, um, I think we would have all answered that differently coming out of grad school because I feel like there's a prescriptive answer there. And I think the answer I gave was something like, I want to be challenged. And if I outgrow the role, then it's time to move on. Or if the company outgrows me, then I haven't kept up. But it's like, you know, I didn't even think of the, well, I want to be promoted or be a boss right. or anything like that. So it's just, it's a total mind shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And it's okay to say, I don't know, right? Like, I think whenever someone asks you a question, you always feel the pressure to answer. And if you sit there and you pause and you're like, you know what? Like, I just don't know, actually. And I'm okay with not knowing, but to Eric's point, I want to grow. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I know that it'll lead to somewhere great, right? Or, or wherever I think it's going to be. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a very okay answer, right? And if not even a good answer to where you're not thinking something or you're not just thinking of something off the top of your head of what to say, right? And then Becca, like even when I was first going through the player side of baseball, when I started out of grad school, like you then started to realize like all these people were in whether it was like a farm director role or assistant GM role, whatever it may, like they weren't the GM or they weren't the president or CEO. And you would ask them like what they want to do next. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to be the GM. I don't want to be the president. <laughs> and, and half the reason why was because like the pressure was on you and then you had a short shelf life and like, you, yeah. you know, granted that's similar across most of the player space anyways, but uh, and you're kind of always hopping around for some people, but like, you know, you might ask a, a president or a CMO to your point, like, do they want to be that? If there's someone at a VP level that says, oh, I want to be a CMO, like maybe they don't want to be a CMO, right? <laughs> like, I think everybody just assumes that like climbing up the ladder is the thing that everybody wants, but it's not always that. Yeah. There is, a, there is a huge culture shift happening and I'm so glad that we're doing this session and that all of you are being so open and honest with your feedback because I do feel like there is space in the, stop. There is space at OU for the people who know exactly what they wanna do. The dog, oh my dog. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. What does Easy um, wanna say? He wants to say, mom, would you put hot dogs in my nasty toy so that I can play with it already? He's thrown it at me. Look. <laughs> He's, so He's, got a, He's got an attitude right now. It's a thing. Um, but I think, I think that, you know, when I was in school, there were a lot of, I think, thoughts that I had along these same lines. There weren't a lot of people who were telling me to what you exactly what you're saying, which is it's okay not to know. And it's okay to have a different path that isn't fit, that doesn't fit into a specific bucket, right? Like the tools that you're going to get in the program are going to be applicable across uh, multiple industries, across multiple jobs. And at the end of the day, we're seeing more people entering the workforce who are like, this is a job, this is not my life. And that is so cool and so refreshing. Every time I hear it, I'm like, yes, friend, let's go. Like live your life. You have one and no, tomorrow's never promised. I know it's a, the biggest cliche that they say in the world, but it's a real thing. And like, how do you want to have, um, you know, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your life to be? Um, and so I'm so happy to hear all of you have discovered that so early on in your careers and in your life journeys. Uh, I feel like it's going to make everything else so much just 
I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'd, I'd, I'd snap or clap or whatever if I could, but I, you know, I only have one hand right now. It, so. It's a, um, a really deep rabbit hole to go down, but it's like, to me, that's just such, such a societal issue, right? The reason in education and educators tell you all these skills and the path is because that's what society says is important and how you climb the ladder and make money and you work for 40 years, right? No one shows the unorthodox way and that's because it's the minority viewpoint, but that's what everyone wants. So it's just like they're they're at odds with what, you know, how society makes its money, how education makes its money and not that any of it's bad, but it's more so like, no one's ever challenged them of why do you have to work for 40 years? Like mm-hmm. that never came up in any of our two years in grad school. Yeah. It's different. It's different. I was talking to my mom the other day. I was like, you know, maybe I want to go buy a, a school bus and trick it out and drive across yeah. the world and maybe hire somebody to drive the school bus because I'm not doing it. But like, what if that, what if I want to do that? That's okay. That's, might be fun and i think covid we haven't talked about covid too much on this call but i think covid's really helped with a lot of that like the resetting of i know we've talked about like priorities and values but the resetting of i know for me what am i doing like what's important to me my family's important to me you know having a flexible work schedule is important to me you know being able to have time i know we've talked about you know what we do outside of work like that's important on the spoke of the wheel that Eric said, you know, how am I incorporating that into my life? Um, so I think I think all of those those things became very clear to me, especially in that in the COVID environment the last couple of years, and and how I've kind of worked that into my life. Yeah, and I think like Eric said, there's definitely rabbit holes to go down for sure, um, but and and plenty more topics to cover. But I think. Just the the um, the essence of the, the conversation is a great one. Uh, we got to get to Laura's favorite part of the episode in rapid fire. So um, rapid fire. We'll we'll let her start because now we got three answers for every question. I know, Jake. That means get your stuff together. Yeah, get I it know, together. I know. We're good. It's all good. Rapid. Jake is not. We're working on his skill set in this area. You'll see why. Just. I'm long-winded, so rapid fire isn't always rapid. Right. His go deep, 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 deep into your soul. Mine are not that, they're not that serious. All right, so this is Life After Court Street. And so if we could all just take a trip back to Athens and those beautiful brick, bricks, the brick road, the long brick road, if you could. Would you prefer a blackout or a lunchbox? Blackout. Blackout. Yeah, blackout for sure. Yes, my people. (laughs) Three for three. Wow, look at that. All right, Uh, we've we've asked this one on a couple of episodes this series. Uh, Favorite O'Malley sport? I was horrible at O'Malley Cup. I mean, I was probably the only classmate that never played sports ever. Like, 
Yeah. I remember doing soccer. I'll tell you a story real quick. I remember we were going against the second years. We were first years. We were playing soccer. And Carrie Goodman, man, she took me out on that field. Like, just shoved. Like, elbowed me, shoved me, like, to the ground. And I, like, looked at her and I was like, she really just do that? Like, she played in college. All I can say, too, is, like, imagine playing against Laura Dearman. Roy, like that was the worst year of O'Malley. Like it sucked. I think we got swept. And thank God, Grace, for your class because at least we were able to redeem ourselves. Like, oh, we lost both years in a row. I couldn't remember if we so we beat you guys. Yeah, y'all beat us. It was uh, disgusting. We played basketball, just... and I'm pretty sure Deerman like tore someone's head off. He did. I, I yes. There's always that one in your class, and everybody knows who that person is who is like super, super intense. Um, and so you have to, like, there's like, Deerman showed up for the, cause O'Malley basketball, right? The guys play and then the women play. And he changed, he went to the locker room, changed his clothes, came out in a suit with a clipboard. Like that's just the level that we were on. Like everybody knew their role. God love Maria, love her to pieces. Maria's all of like five foot. <laughs> Maria knows her place on the volleyball court. And that's why we love her, right? Mm-hmm. Like we just, it was so fun. We had so much fun. I think it was just, it's hilarious. You, the had, quite the the, you had quite the flex warming up for volleyball as we're just walking in and you're just spiking the ball all over the court. Like you knew what you were doing. Me, me and Kayla, that we had a good time. We had a good yeah. time. <laughs> I love it. See, even though it was a rapid fire question, it still was not it rapid. Is, it was not. I'm it was sorry. not. We're going to. It was. I not, started okay. it. My bad. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all coming. Did the eating contest? We did Ooh. an eating contest. Is one of I think you're right. And we just got that. I don't even know what they called it. Like a spaceship or something from Wings Over. I think you're right. I think that did take place. That was my favorite for sure. <laughs> that sounds the same. All right, Laura, what you got? <laughs> I just got ugh, I just got a whole thing. <laughs> on on the next episode of, of Life After Court Street, we're on this pathway to bring back an alumni O'Malley challenge. Could you imagine? Ooh. Sponsored oh. by the local hospital, obviously. <laughs> obviously have beds ready for us um um, so here's what here's here's the i think the last one and we'll let you all go on your productive days and it's very deep it's very very deep in thought so it's a late night you're coming home from a wonderful evening out on court street what are you grabbing to eat on your way back home Mama's burrito. Mm. Yep. Souffle. Grace, no pressure. I mean, well, y'all know I like never went out, so I'm like, there's only <laughs> I can count the number one. I'm like, I was always asleep when y'all were out. Like, <laughs> you can come home at 7 p.m. That's I'm totally fine. I'm trying, actually, I'm trying to think. You know, I went back for Sam's wedding, and we did have a very late night out. Because I didn't have any homework. 
Um, I went to see Blockies, and it was very good. So no, no Obetti's fans. On the last call, there was some Obetti's fans. On the last um, session, there were some Obetti's people. So I think it just depends. It just depends. We always just All made depends. cheesy eggs. I don't know why. That it's was okay, Grace. Maybe I that was the morning a, after. I was the one who never went out here, so it's all good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was our morning after Court Street meal was like cheesy eggs, grits, bacon. Mm-hmm. Gotta, you know, get greasy and soak it up. Mm-hmm. Sounds really appetizing. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. when I had a, a metabolism. <laughs> <laughs> to say you have that now i don't know no don't yeah know. no it's about to be some some oatmeal and some egg whites that's what we're on there okay. you go there you go well eric grace becca really appreciate the perspectives time uh, on the life in the front office podcast presented by Sudor organic with the ohio university sports administration series life after court street appreciate it thank you thank you, thank you. thanks y'all Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.